though Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for them all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay until midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that was in front of Hebron. After this he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and how you might be bound, that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in an inner, inner chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings, as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, and said to them, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you leave the seven locks of my head into the web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. And she made them tight with a pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom, and the web. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with you? You have mocked me these three times. You have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed her heart with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart. And he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I should become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called the man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. 
and he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Helpful for you to follow that reading along either on one of those sheets. If you don't have one again, four sheets are filthy to get up and grab one from the back there. You will also find on the back of it some uh, reflection questions and things like that you need as well to continue to sort of tread on this over. Or if you want to use one of the pew bibles, I think it's on page 215. Well, last week in chapter 15, the idea that we saw was that God works despite the weakness of his Saviour, not through his strengths. And we saw that for all the might of Samson, God had to save Samson from dying first. And we found at the end that even Jesus, actually the perfect saviour from God, experienced a very similar pattern to Samson of exile, of rejection from his own people, and needing saving. But this morning we find that while the saviour Samson looks washed up, God is faithful. If you're a fan of the uh, Batman movies, well, within it, one of my favourite characters is Alfred the butler, but also mentor to Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne in the film uh, Dark Knight Rises has, has retired the cape for a time. He recognises his powers have faded, and yet, finds his way back, and so Alfred shares his heart with him, that he wishes he would give it up. He has this fantasy. He says, do you remember when you left God? Before all this, before that, you were gone for seven years. Seven years I waited, hoping that you wouldn't come back. Every year, I took a holiday. I went to Florence. There's this cafe on the banks of the Arno, and every fine evening I'd sit there and order a Ferne Branca, I had this fantasy that I would look across the tables and I'd see you there with a wife and maybe a couple of kids. You wouldn't say anything to me, nor me to you, but we both know that you made it, that you were happy. I never wanted you to come back to Gotham. I always knew there was nothing here for you except pain and tragedy, and I wanted something more for you than that. I still do. Samson, the saviour, looks washed up. It seems that maybe this is the moment that he should give up the ghost, because it seems over. And while we do see a washed up saviour here, we also see a faithful God. Because though Samson seems finished, God is not finished with him. So as we see this washed up saviour and a faithful God, I want to show you three things in this story here so far. But firstly, Samson was failing to make the difficult decisions. But secondly, Samson is in a marriage missing grace. And then we see that washed up saviour for the faithful God. If you look at those first six verses, then, that's where we'll be focusing here. Samson fails to make the difficult decisions. Back to my friend Alfred and the Batman. The Joker is demanding in the dark night that the Batman take off his mask or he'll kill citizens until he does. And here's Alfred's counsel. Endure, Master Wayne. Take it. They'll hate you for it, but that's the point of Batman. He can be the outcast. He can make a choice that no one else can make. The right choice. And so he responds. 
Well, today I found out what Batman can't do. He can't endure this. In life, sometimes we have to make a difficult decision and endure the consequences. And Samson needed to make the difficult decision here to work to restore his relationship, but he doesn't. He fails to do that, and he couldn't endure the pressure that Delilah put on him to give up his strength. Samson may have been strong, but he failed to make the difficult decisions, didn't he? Look at verse 1 there with me. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and went into her. And history is repeated, isn't it? Samson's kryptonite reappears. We might ask, why go all the way to Gaza? He's travelled all the way to the coastline to do this. Well, I wonder if what was in Samson's head was to be anonymous. Is that not why people go to Vegas and have to say, well, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? And Samson's troubles, once again, begin with that now familiar formula, Samson met a woman. And it will happen again in verse 4. Samson doesn't take the difficult decision to prioritise his responsibilities and calling and not give in to temptation. The Gazites were told, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night. And so Samson's sin provides an opportunity for his enemies to overcome him. And there's a sober warning there, isn't there? Because I wonder whether we have ever known that reality ourselves, that our own sin is a foothold to the adversary to defeat us. Right in the beginning of the Bible, it speaks of sin crouching at the door, seeking an opportunity to overcome us. They kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait till the morning, then we'll come to And yet at midnight, Samson arose and took hold of the doors and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all. And so Samson miraculously escapes the ambush. But just look a little closer again at verse 2 to 3 there. And I wonder if you notice what isn't there anymore. Because when we look again, we see that there is no mention of the Spirit's help here. Samson pulls up the doors, the posts, bar and all, and he carried them to the top of the hill in front of Hebron. And I have a map here that might sort of put that into some context. Samson, if he carries it all the way to Hebron, it's sort of about halfway up. The Gaza is right there on the coastline, uh, and then Hebron is across inland to the east, towards the Dead Sea. It's around about 37 sort of miles as the crow flies, and I think. This would be relevant at the time, but if you were driving in a car, it's more like 50. This is a long distance. It's the summary, I suppose. Carrying this with him. Why? Because it's a statement. He carries this to where the people of God are, that they will see what he has done. And yet, look at how quickly things turn in verse 4. After this great moment of triumph, this great statement, after this he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. His victory is so quickly followed by a fall. 
Because Samson doesn't make, exactly, the difficult decision to not embark upon a relationship that God is not going to bless. It is very clear, we don't have to look too deep at this to see, these are two people not suited for one another. He doesn't make a difficult decision to simply not embark on this relationship in the first place. The Lord of the Philistines say to her, it's not clear actually, is it, whether she's a Philistine or whether she's an Israelite. So we get a little bit ambiguous. Is this actually an Israelite who would be willing for the money to sell the Savior out? Maybe. Or is it a person who just from the get go? Something should not be married. The laws of the first time said seduce him, find out his strength, and we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Here is history repeating itself. If you can remember that the Philistines again are turning a wife of sons to subdue Israel's saviour and keep Israel subject to them. So she asks Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be better that one could subdue you. Samson doesn't make a difficult decision to have the needed conflict here. That she is going to sell him out. She's not making any great subtlety of it. She's going to sell him out. She's explicit in that. Samson needed to have a compliment here. Hello, why are you asking me? Why are you asking me how I could be bound and dragged off? What are you planning to do? Who doesn't? And fourthly, Samson doesn't make the difficult decision that it would be better to go about the things that you may well long for. Those are things that God has not yet granted to you. This relationship simply wasn't right from the beginning. It doesn't take a genius to see it. But he doesn't make that difficult decision to pass up something that's not been given to him. And the lecturer at college used to have this great little saying that used to summarise this reality for those called by God to a specific mission or ministry or what have you. Others may, you may not. There are times that you will have to make a difficult decision to go without something that you may well like if that's not what has been allotted for you. Or at least not at this moment. Samson is physically very strong, but he's not very bright, is he? And never mind leg day. Samson's been skipping brain day, hasn't he? Samson didn't take the difficult decisions. And now he's wasting time, caught in a loveless marriage that should never have begun. Forgetting his calling. He's failed to make the difficult decisions, but secondly, now we see more of this marriage that is missing grace. Well, if you've ever heard the song Can't Stand Me Now by the Libertines, the song tells the story of the two bandmates growing to hate one another. And the song seems sort of sadly fitting for this marriage. Because Samson doesn't trust Delilah, and she's happy to sell him out for the cash. They sing here an ending fitting for the start. He twisted and tore our love apart, divide fingers through the dark, shattered the lamp and into the darkness cast us. Now you've got it the wrong way around. You shut me up and blamed it on the ground. Cornered the boy, kicked out of the world. The world came back a lot harder now. Oh, you can't stand me now. You hear the two people singing to one another. They both have their 
ideas of what's happened, and it doesn't really matter in the end. They've been turned against one another. If they buy me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been drunk, he says, I shall become She's trying to sell him out, and he doesn't trust her, because he doesn't give her the true answer, does he? So why don't they resolve for this? It's utterly broken, isn't it? Nobody's happy. Nobody's treating one another right. For all the talk of the presence of God's spirit upon Samson, the spirit isn't present in his home and in his marriage. What a tragedy. See, grace needs to shape our relationships, isn't it? And few things in life will be more crushing than grace this marriage. Whatever other successes you might have out of it, if that place has this kind of problems, there's a few things that can possibly resolve that pain. Grace needs to shape our relationships. She had her lying in ambush in an inner chamber and calls to it. The first eyes are upon me, Samson. And we're left to ask, why? Why doesn't Samson confront her about an attempted ambush? Surely he must realise she's going to sell him out here. He snaps the bowstrings at mock. She says to him, you mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. See, these characters here are very complex. They're not very clearly sort of good or bad in different moments. It's pretty hard to sort of tell, isn't it? But this is gaslighting, isn't it? You've mocked me, told me one or two mysteries. That's how has. You're seeking to have him bound and taken off to prison and almost certainly can't. <coughs> yeah, there should be a truthfulness and an honesty between them. But you can see why Samson's better at him. She wants her money and doesn't care if he has to die to get hold of it, does she? And then he spins her. He's done a tale as well. If he use new ropes, snaps them like a thread. Or if you weave seven rocks off my head with a web and fasten it with a pin. And he just pulls away the pin and the on the web. And so now it's escalating, isn't it? Verse 15. How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? And there's an interesting glimpse, isn't there? Because why does Samson not do something? Why does he stay with her? Well, maybe Tom Jones' classic song sums it up pretty well, at least in one part. Why, 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 why that? I can see that girl was no good for me, but I was lost like a slave that no man could free. So I need to see the wood through the trees to see. They're both saying they love one another, but neither of their behaviours actually demonstrate that they do. And so I wonder. It's our behaviour. Express our love. Because it's a challenging truth, isn't it? That we ultimately do what we believe. It's important that behaviour actually expresses our love for one another, isn't it? But then here's the sad twist. When she pressed him hard with her words day after day, and his soul was vexed to death. And here history is repeated again. Chapter 14, verse 17, we have the almost identical scenario. And Samson caves into his wife's pressure to give up 
his secret. And verse 17, he told her all his heart. The one time he reveals himself, it's the wrong time, the wrong moment, the wrong person. The Spirit's presence has brought him strength, but his marriage is missing grace, and a tragedy is coming. We've been used in the story to Samson miraculously escaping all of these uh, disasters, but is this one wreck too many? Is he simply washed up? <laughs> Lastly, we see the washed up Savior, but a faithful God. One last word of wisdom in here, the hero from Alfred. As Bruce Wayne is preparing to go back to being Batman to face Spain, he says to any man who is too extreme for Raz al is not to be trifled with. Bruce responds, I didn't realise I was known for trifling with criminals. And then listen to the punchline. That was then. And you can strap up your leg and put your mask back on, but that doesn't make you who you were. And it looks as though Samson is not now what he used to be. Strength is gone, his eyes are out, his ankles tacked. He is not what he once was. Look, he reveals his secret here, doesn't he? Continuing verse 17. I've been a Nazarite from my mother's whip. Well, sort of. We read a couple of chapters ago how we broke all of those rules. And I don't imagine that that was the only time. By the way, the valley of Sorek where he met Delilah, and that's just down the road to The place now where you're going to go. Sort of. I've been an Azariah from my mother's womb. But he hasn't learned, has he? That the Philistines would do anything to keep Israel down and to stop Samson. And he presents himself on a plate. When Delilah saw he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the Lord to the Philistines. Drink that in. Just a moment. Sounds like a hero. Absolutely. But Delilah immediately uses his weakness against him. And there's not a shred of love for him there, was there? And he was too daft to see. She shaved off, verse 19, the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him. Now there's no longer that threat of response from Saturn, that strength seems to be gone when we see what Delilah is really like. Evil. He awoke from his sleep, verse 20, and said, I'll come out at other times and shake myself free. Samson machined. He would always have the strength of God. Even if he disregarded and disrespected his calling, he'd still be able to rely on it. I'll go out at other times and shake myself free. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. Because God abandoned the Savior that he had sent. Samson had ignored and neglected God's calling one too many times. And now God did leave him. The Philistines 
Philistines, verse 21, seized it and gouged out his eyes and brought it down to Gaza in shackles. And now the Philistines begin to take revenge for all the trouble that Samson had caused them and make a spectacle of him. The story had sort of begun with Samson making a spectacle of that city as he brought their gates with him on his shoulders. Now he is the spectacle, and he ground at the mill in prison. And there's a poetic justice because in the last chapter, Samson had destroyed their wheat by sending the foxes out with their tails on fire, and it had uh, burned all the crops that they had gathered and all the ones that they were yet to gather. And now here he is, grinding wheat in the mill. Now it seems there's no hope left for Samson, the washed-up saviour, or for the people of God. So why is this here? Why, why this story here? What's the purpose? What, how would it help us? Samson is a picture of Israel. He's acting exactly how the people have acted as God's people. They too have time after time, despite all the grace and gifts of God towards them, turned against them. He has given them a land. He has brought them out from suffering and oppression and slavery to have a land to be free in, to worship Him. And they have refused to take that land. They have instead partnered with the people already there. And all their practices that God had said and hated. Practices of burning their children alive to their gods, the Baals, to Moloch. Samson is a picture of his people. And yet, the story ends is this morning with a glimmer of hope, doesn't it? Because it is not quite the end yet. Verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Samson may look finished, but God isn't finished yet. He's not finished with Samson. He's not finished with his people, Israel. He's not finished with the Philistines. There's a washed out Savior, but there's a faithful God. Samson may have failed to take the difficult decisions in his life to follow this calling. His life is frankly a mess. But in the end, he winds up just looking washed up, doesn't he? The last saviour of the book of Judges seems to be pretty much a disappointment. But when it seemed the saviour was spent, the hair of his head began to grow again. When the darkness seems deepest, it is when God burst forth with glorious light. When it looked as though Jesus was finished, he said, it is finished. That death was not a defeat for Jesus. That for all the world it seemed him, it was not a defeat, but his crown and glory. Through his death he saves us. The Apostle Paul explains this in his sermon in Antioch from Acts chapter 13. It says, when they had carried out all that was written of him, Jesus, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. 
And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this is fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. <coughs> he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which he could not be freed by the law of Moses. Samson wasn't a particularly great saviour. He here looks washed up, but God is faithful and wasn't finished. Jesus is his perfect saviour. And God is faithful to send him and to raise him from the dead and bring him back from life and from death, sorry. And because he did, you and I can be forgiven of sin and saved from judgment. So this morning, turn away from sin and turn to Jesus, your perfect Savior, and be saved. You may feel washed up, but he is faithful. And if he is faithful to Samson, he will be faithful to you. Let's pray. And then we'll turn to God, worshiping you, and other two songs together.